Hi, my name is Noah, and you are listening to the Eerie Podcast. Halloween night always has an eerie vibe to it. It's a time for everyone to go out and be something different for once. For nine-year-old Lisa Ann French, Halloween of 1973 would be her final time celebrating this holiday. Lisa would become the first and only victim of what would soon be called the Halloween Killer. What happened on that terrifying night? Hey, Yuri people. I hope everyone's doing well. It's been a great week here in beautiful New Hampshire with all the fall leaves just falling everywhere. <laughs> I've been able to walk a lot. It's been a good time, you know? I've been working on some other large projects, which I will actually announce now, I guess. So I'm working on a new YouTube channel that I'm actually really excited about. So I used to do YouTube when I was in my teens, and I actually, it wasn't called viral then, but one of my videos went pretty viral. It was regarding Prop 8 and stuff like that and it just blew up it was not the kind of content that i would be proud of today but it was something cool that i used to do and i i used to love it so i decided recently that i'm going to start a new channel and i'm going to bring some of what i wanted to do to life and it's something you can all check out the youtube channel is youtube.com the Noah Croft, just like all my other things. Yeah, I'm so pumped, guys. I am so excited. I've spent the past week filming videos and getting things ready so that I can be ahead. Yeah, it's coming to life. It's taking a little bit. Each video is taking at least a couple hours to edit. So I'll probably only be posting once a week on that as well. But we'll see. We'll check it all out and figure it out. All right. Outside of that, my dog's barking. He is a barking boy. He can't hear me. Oh. oh, are they all gonna start howling? They might. Yep, it's happening. It's happening. Guys, it's happening. <laughs> it's fine. I doubt you guys will be able to even hear them. You might, but... All right, just a reminder, if you have not followed us yet, go do that, dude. What are you doing? Listen, listen. If you want to get some notifications and you want to know when we post new episodes, you got to follow us. Follow us on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Oh, wait. All right. Did you do it? Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's jump into the topic for today. I don't like to go too much onto tangents. So this one is very difficult. And I want to throw out there that it's going to make me emotional. Anyone with kids, anyone with a freaking heart is going to get emotional on this one because it does involve a nine-year-old girl. It's terrifying, and it's sad, and it's not good. So if you need to skip this episode, that is okay. I do not, I don't want to, I say the weirdest shit. It's okay if you want to skip this episode. There is no obligation. There is sexual violence. There is murder. I typically do not go into too much detail about that, but I will give a warning ahead of time before I do start talking about that so you can skip ahead a few minutes. All right. So let's talk about the victim 
and, you know, where she's from, stuff like that. So her name was Lisa Ann French, and she was born on June 2nd. 1964, in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, to her parents, Alan French and Marianne Gehrig. So Lisa attended Chegwin Elementary School, and she was a fourth grade student there. So she was a baby. She was a little baby. She was a member of the Girl Scouts, and she lived at 192 Amory Street in a neighborhood of Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. I don't know if I'm saying that right, guys. <laughs> she lived with her mother, stepfather, whose name was Bruce DePaul, and her newborn half-brother, which was just half a block away from where Gerald Turner lived. Everyone would describe Lisa as a little girl with trusting eyes and a winning smile. She had deep brown eyes and a trendy shag haircut, which her mom, who was a beautician, had given her. And at this time, she had a grin that showed new teeth growing in because she had lost some. And you could see that in her class photo, which I'll post on Instagram. The working class neighborhood in Northeast Wisconsin was tree-lined with sidewalks scattered. And at this time, there's leaves everywhere. It was fall. It was autumn. And on the day where Lisa went missing, porch lights had been turned on. And candy dishes were, you know, everywhere. They're just right on the porches, right at the doorway, ready for kids to come get some candy. So Gerald Turner, who is the Halloween killer, had lived with his then-girlfriend, Arlene Penn, and their infant child at the residence around the time of Lisa's death. Lisa knew Gerald before the incident. Lisa would often spend time at Gerald's to see this baby that they had. And Lisa would have a lot of conversations with Gerald. And Gerald previously shared a rented side of a duplex with the family prior to the murder. Gerald had no major sex offenses against him. And he had apparently previously sexually molested a 15-year-old babysitter, but was never accused before the murder of Lisa. So Lisa had left her home around 5.45 p.m. on Halloween night in 1973. She was dressed as a hobo, wearing a black felt hat, a green parka, and blue masking tape on her jeans and dotted freckles on her cheeks. She intended to be accompanied by a friend, Ann Parker, on her way to the outdoor Halloween party at Pumpkin Place on East Bank Street. But Anne had gotten in trouble with her parents and had been grounded, so she had to stay home, which left Lisa to trick-or-treat by herself. It was reported that Lisa had made previous stops at a classmate's house, in the house of Karen Bachnet, who was a teacher of hers, and she was just there to grab candy. And then she made her way to Gerald's residence with the hopes of receiving more candy. So there had been reports around the country at this time of poisoned Halloween candy and razor blades left in apples. So the community wanted to provide a safe place where children could celebrate, which is why there was that Halloween party. 
Ann Parker said she still lives with guilt and wonders how things might have turned out differently if she had joined Lisa for the night of trick-or-treating fun as they planned. Instead, she misbehaved and at last minute was forbidden to go with her best friend. Anne would later on say we were inseparable back then. She loved being with Lisa because she was so funny and bubbly and outgoing. So back to this Halloween night. When Lisa arrived at Gerald's home, she rang the doorbell and said, trick or treat. And she walked into his open doorway with her candy bag opened as Gerald came to the door. According to Gerald's confession, Gerald and Lisa had begun to talk about candy. And at some point during the encounter, Gerald had lured her into his bedroom. I'm just going to give the brief warning now. It's about to get pretty horrible. And I'm having a hard time even stating some of this information. Whew. All right. Just need a sec. Just need a sec. When Lisa got to Gerald's bedroom, he began to assault her sexually. She, according to Gerald, later on in his confession, Lisa all of a sudden died. And they think that it was due to shock. At some point after the sexual assault, Turner said they attempted to revive Lisa after she stopped breathing. But then his girlfriend arrived at home. And according to his girlfriend, later on in her testimony, she arrived at the home around 7 p.m. after attending the same Halloween party that, with their child that Lisa was supposed to have gone to that night. When she found Turner, and he was wearing a bathrobe and claimed multiple times that he was sick, quote-unquote, Gerald's girlfriend Arlene also said that Turner had made several trips to the bedroom to lie down and... Later on, we would find out that Lisa was actually in the bathroom, which was just right across the hall from Gerald's bedroom. So Arlene left the residence around 8 p.m. to go visit her mother. Gerald then took Lisa's body and clothes and stuffed them into separate bags and drove her to Teichita, Wisconsin, where he discarded her body on McCab Road in a farm field. Gerald wore socks on his hands when he was doing this to avoid leaving evidence of fingerprints on Lisa's body or anywhere near the crime scene. He had also gone on to wipe down French's shoes in the zipper of her parka after she was killed. Lisa's mother, Marianne Gehrig, had started to grow worried about where Lisa was when she didn't return home as she instructed. She had told Lisa, you need to be home by 7. And by 10 p.m. that night, they had put together a search party and began looking for Lisa. All right. Sorry, guys. This one's... When it comes to kids, it's just, like, so hard to talk about. I try and avoid these. Unfortunately, you can't avoid them forever. Okay, so let's keep going. There was a search for about four days countywide. It was pretty extensive. It included 5,000 volunteers, 700 block parents, auxiliary police officers, and the National Guard even. 
And some of her Girl Scout friends also took part in helping try and find her. Mercury Marine's photo lab printed 6,000 copies of Lisa's school photo. Gas stations offered 25 gallons of free gas to anyone using a vehicle to help search for the little girl. A farmer named Gerald Braun was returning home in his tractor in Tichita on November 3rd, 1973 at 11.30 a.m. And then while he was returning home, he noticed some brown plastic bags behind a barbed wire fence, which was near a forest on McCabe Road. When he opened them, he discovered Lisa's naked corpse and the other containing clothing from her Halloween costume. Obviously, her family was destroyed by this news. After an autopsy was performed on Lisa's body, it revealed that she died from asphyxiation. And they also stated that she died from circulatory shock from the sexual trauma that she endured. Lisa was laid to rest on November 6th of 1973 at Emmanuel Trinity Lutheran Church in Fond du Lac. On November 8th, 1973, the Chamber of Commerce had posted a $10,000 reward for the capture of Lisa French's killer. After the search was done and they had the funeral, Gerald Turner was made a suspect early in the investigation by the Fond du Lac Law Enforcement Agency. Turner was brought in for nine months of random testing and questioning and to perform a polygraph exam, which the results of that came back inconclusive. As most of you probably know, polygraphs are not considered valid at this point because they're just not. Humans react differently to things, so heart rates change. So after this first polygraph came back inconclusive, they asked Gerald to do another one, and he denied it. He was like, no, I'm good. All right, Eerie Tribe, I'm so excited to talk about today's sponsor, Audible. Audible is, <laughs> I can honestly say that I use Audible on a daily level. I read a lot, but sometimes I don't have time to just read, or maybe I'm, you know, hitting the hay and I need to put the book down and just listen for a little bit. New members can actually try Audible for free for 30 days using our link. As an Audible member, you can choose one title per month to keep from their entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. You can find some $50 audiobooks and get them super cheap by just having this Audible membership. There's so many Audible exclusives as well that you can only listen to on Audible. You'll discover exclusive Audible originals from top celebrities, renowned experts, and exciting new voices in audio, which I might be one of those soon. But for real, anything you're interested in, you can find it on Audible. There's so much on Audible that you can check out. If you visit audibletrial.com slash theeeriepod, you can get one free month and one free book that you get to keep forever. So check it out, guys. Strongly recommend it. Police at this time also collected body hair and bed fibers from Turner, which Gerald's hair samples were positively matched on French's body and her clothing. On August 8th of 1974, 
Turner finally confessed. And he stated that when he saw French in his doorway, he was highly sexually motivated. Sorry, that's gross. It's fucking disgusting, you fucking monster. Fuck off. I just want to throw in there that this guy also looks like a freaking creep. Like someone you would literally be walking down the same sidewalk and you would switch to the other side of the street. He looks like a creep. I'll have photos in the Instagram. Creeper. Creeper. How can people do such things to little babies? She was a baby. She was a little kid. (sighs) Okay. Let's keep going. So he said he then brought her to his bedroom like he led her there where he undressed her. And then I'm giving another warning. This is gross. So fucking gross. It makes me want to cry. He performed intercourse on her. And then he said he noticed that Lisa had stopped breathing after the sexual assault. And he put his head over her chest and noticed that her heart was still beating and attempted to revive her by putting his hands over her chest and then listening. Okay. Yeah, he attempted to revive her and then listen to her chest again. And then he heard his girlfriend pulled up. He could hear it. And then he brought her into the bathroom and pretended he was sick until his girlfriend left. So Jarrell Turner was brought into custody on August 9th, 1974, and was convicted on February 4th of 1975 by a jury on the charges of second-degree murder, enticing a child for immoral purposes and acts of sexual perversion. And he was sentenced to just 38 years and six months in prison. What the fuck? To be clear, 38 years for someone who is a monster like this, it should not happen. Like, he should have, first of all, been given a sentence for first-degree murder, not second-degree murder. He had the intentions of harming this little girl. That's it. After this initial trial, Gerald Turner was paroled on... October 13th, and I'm not laughing because I think that's funny. I think it's fucking ridiculous. But on October 13th, 1992, he was paroled for good behavior after serving only 17 years and eight months at the Wapun Correctional Institution. Like, everyone went ham. Like, multiple community protests happened in public outrage among Lisa's relatives and residents of the Milwaukee area were just like, fuck this. He was living in a halfway house during his parole. This prompted lawmakers to create a sexual predator law, Wisconsin Chapter 980, named Turner's Law, which was ratified on May 26, 1994, by the Wisconsin governor, Tommy Thompson. This law allows criminals to have been paroled or released from their prison sentences to be detained in mental institutions if they are deemed to have substantial probability of committing another crime. Turner was sent back to prison on November 23rd, 1993. So he had a fucking full year out, this monster man. What is wrong with you? I don't understand how someone like him could get out. After Department of Corrections Appeal ruled that they had miscalculated his mandatory parole release from his good behavior. So good on them for fixing their mistake. But that's almost a whole year. Actually, it's more than a whole year. 
No, just no. If someone's a sexual predator, just leave them in jail. Let's just give them life, guys. That's my opinion. I just don't think people in his case just don't deserve to be out of jail. It's a baby that you destroyed. You destroyed a family. You destroyed this poor little baby. Like, fuck off. Fuck off. All right. So on January 29th of 1998, after a four-day trial, a jury on Turner's parole hearing ruled that Turner was not a violent sexual predator, meaning that he could not be held at a treatment center under Turner's law and could begin his mandatory second parole that year. I just need a second, guys. I'm going to go punch myself in the face. In July of 1998, a judge ruled against an unsuccessful attempt to revoke his parole after a June incident in which Turner had shouted and waved a butcher's knife at his caseworker at his half a psychiatrist a psychiatrist ruled him to be still dangerous yeah like you can't do that to a kid and not be dangerous like you're forever labeled as dangerous sorry no offense but actually fuck that i don't care if i offend it this is my podcast if you don't like it don't listen Turner had filed a complaint on the waste management of Madison for the company refusing to hire him due to his criminal record. I would not hire you either. Hey, hey, come here. I would not hire you because you suck and you're horrible. You should never be around people. So Turner, after, you know, that lawsuit or that complaint, they reached an undisclosed settlement where they were required to hire Turner due to a former Wisconsin law not allowing companies to consider criminal convictions when hiring former felons unless the crime is substantially related to the, to the applying of the job, which Waste Management Company argued that he could not be hired since they had 15 tours with children during the previous school year, and he would have access to dangerous materials and chemicals. So after this complaint, the waste company, after this complaint against the waste company, the Wisconsin State Assembly passed a bill on October 28, 1999, in a vote of 63 to 33, which repealed the original law that prohibited job discrimination based on a felon's criminal record, meaning the employers could rightfully refuse to hire convictions, hire convicted felons on the basis of their criminal record without further complaints. Good. I think that that's important. Like, even if what they did, what didn't have anything to do with the job type. Like an employer should be allowed to think of it like this, your team, what would your team think if you hired a sexual predator, right? And I'm going to be completely clear. I do know that some sexual predators are inaccurately labeled that by complaints from less than integral people, but a lot of cases, that's not the case. It's like actual crazy horrible people that feel like they have a right to violate other people's bodies. Anyway, but yeah, they repealed that. Turner was returned to prison for 15 additional years after violating his parole in 2003, when an abundance of pornographic content was discovered in his possession. Yep. Good. So apparently, Gerald decided, you know what, I'm going to write a letter so this letter was addressed to Lisa Ann French herself, the victim. And in this letter, he appeared to show remorse for his acts while depicting 
the events that took place. And he said in this letter, and I quote, I doubt that I could ever fully realize the terror you, that you experienced at my hands. I can still see you standing in the doorway with that felt hat, beaming at having recognized me. Then I see the delight in your eyes turn to fear as I close the door behind you. The rest of my life, I will have to live with that. The rest of my life, I will have to live with what I did to you. On that night, I became a monster. I do swear to you, on the forfeiture of my life, I will never harm another child. Yeah, it seems like he might have had remorse. I want to just say that there's no coming back from what you did. <laughs> I know he's dead now, but but like later he would suggest that due to him committing those crimes on Halloween, that it received more significance for this crime. And I even quote that he said, if it had happened on some other day, like Valentine's Day, nobody would have given a damn. I'm sorry, but everyone would have given a damn. Like, this was a child man. So, obviously, that letter that he sent to Lisa and French was not genuine. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you committed one of the most heinous acts you can to a child. And because of it, she's gone. And her parents had to deal with that. Her family had to deal with that. The whole community had to deal with that. This is me throwing my opinion in there. I apologize. I try not to go too crazy into it. But in this case, I feel very strongly. I assume all of you do too, if you're listening to this. But kids, it's just, it's, she's a baby. And I wonder where she would have gone if she had not gone there that night. Like, I wonder what her life would have been like. That's all, the only thing I can think of when something happens to a child like that. I just wonder what if this girl was like some world-renowned doctor or like a scientist that cured cancer or something like that. It's, it's stupid to think about on my end, I guess, but I just feel so much sadness when it comes to cases like these. This poor little girl never had a chance. Later on, Jarrell Turner was actually going to be up for release, which, no. Lisa's family actually had to kind of fight this. So he was initially scheduled for release on February 1st, 2018, but the Wisconsin Department of Justice filed a petition with the court saying he was still a sexually violent person and he should remain in a secure mental health facility. At a hearing earlier this year, the Fondue County Lock judge found probable cause for the commitment proceedings to continue in the Turner case, according to the Wisconsin Department of Justice. So Wisconsin has a law known as Chapter 980 that allows prosecutors to ask that certain convicted sex offenders be declared sexually violent persons, subjected to indefinite confinement and treatment. So Gerald Turner's lawyers argued that to be deemed a sexually violent person, that a person must have been convicted or found delinquent of a sexually violent offense, found not guilty of a sexually violent offense by reason of mental disease or defect, or have a mental disorder, or be dangerous to others because the person's mental disorder makes it likely that he or she will engage in acts of sexual violence. 
Turner raped and murdered a little girl. So obviously he was deemed, you know, not okay. So her family had to argue in favor of keeping him confined, hoping to ensure that he can never harm another child. Lisa French's mother, Marianne Gehrig, and her sister, Susan DePas, said he should not be released. When Lisa can come back and have her freedom, so can he. Fuck yeah. I agree with that. He's been at a secure treatment center called Moston Sand Ridge Secure Treatment Center, which is operated by the Department of Health and Human Services and the state's Sexually Violent Persons Program. So that's where he is, and hopefully he will stay there forever because that guy's a monster, and obviously, no matter how much time, he still did what he did, and the little girl didn't get to live her life because of it, so he should spend the rest of his life either in treatment or in jail. <laughs> One of the two. He should not ever get out. Poor kids. That would be a dark day. So, I know this was a heavy one, guys, and I'm so sorry. I know that this can be hard to listen to. I hope that you guys at least got to know a little bit about this girl. She sounded like she was that bubbly, wonderful little girl that everyone just wanted to be around. And it's so unfortunate that she wasn't able to experience adulthood and be able to live her life. It's it's scary to think about, and I know that, and I know this like really puts a weight on everybody when you listen to stories like these. So I appreciate you sticking in there. So... Next week, we're going to be talking about the Whaley House. And this is actually a pretty haunted, spooky place. So I'm excited to dig into that. But yeah, make sure to tune in next Sunday. I did want to throw out there that this episode was posted late. And then I'm adding this later on. Because we, we actually had some audio that was corrupted somehow. I don't understand why. And I tried to figure it out. So I didn't. it didn't happen again. But. Unfortunately, I had to record half of this all over again. <laughs> so I appreciate you all sticking in there and being patient. So we will we'll still have this next episode on Sunday. So I wanted to make sure to throw that out there. So make sure to tune in. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be something spooky for Halloween. Yeah. If you like this episode, make sure to follow us. We have all the social medias. And make sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you are listening on our social medias are instagram.com slash the eerie podcast facebook.com slash the eerie podcast and twitter.com slash the eerie podcast if you want to see photos of some of the cases that we go over make sure to follow instagram especially because we post everything there oh yeah and if you have a chance i'm actually going to be releasing a youtube video this Friday and it will be at youtube.com slash the Noah Croft. It actually has nothing to do with true crime or creepy stuff. It's just reaction videos, but hopefully adding a little bit of a funny spin to them. If you want to check it out, please do. I'll be posting all the videos on YouTube and Facebook video. So check it out. I really appreciate you guys listening and make sure to tune in this Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go feed my dogs and inhale some food. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Keep it eerie. Bye. Please don't kill people, especially not kids, because those poor kids, fucking assholes.